What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Warehouse Podcast. My name is Eli, or Elijah. You've probably seen me and heard me in both. Um, I'm here today, and we're going to talk about all of the wildly exciting happenings, the major signings, blockbuster trades, everything happening at the winter meetings right now. Yeah, that's a joke. I don't have any either. Um, absolutely nothing is happening at the winter meetings, so we're going to go ahead, and instead we're going to talk about rumors. We're going to talk about one of the predominant names that's been connected to the Orioles, that the Orioles have been connected to, I should say, um, and that is Dylan Cease. I think beyond just looking at us and saying he's the guy we're most connected to, we might as well go with him, I think it should also be said that nobody is more divisive as a trade target. You know, everybody agrees that Corbin Burns would be great. Everybody agrees, you know, if we could go, we could sign George or trade for George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, one of these Mariners guys. That'd be wonderful. Everybody agrees on that. Dylan Cease, there is a lot of consternation and a lot of conflict. You are either stuck in, what is it? It's December right now. You're either stuck in December of 2022, where Dylan Cease just came in second in AL Cy Young voting, or you are in 2023, where... Dylan Cease just had a terrible year, and you think that he is completely devoid of any value whatsoever. And obviously the truth is somewhere in the middle ground, but when you're online, you pick a side and you stick to it. And that's fine. I respect that. But we're going to dive in a little bit deeper, hopefully try to have a good conversation here, um, and a good look at really like what kind of pitcher Dylan Cease is, potentially some factors that have contributed to you know, this re- apparent regression that he took this year, and kind of who you could expect to get if you were to bring him on and keep him on the team for the next two years. So the way that I'm going to go about this is I'm just going to compare 2022 and 2023. Um, I guess we should start with surface level numbers. Uh, Innings were pretty comparable. He threw 184 innings in 2022, 177 this year, uh, only a seven inning difference. So, you know, he is somebody who will give you bulk. Uh, Definitely, I think that's more than everybody but Kyle Gibson uh, for the Orioles this past year. He struck out 227 in 2022. He struck out 214 this past year. Uh, That is, you know, obviously significant. Anytime you reach the 200K mark, this guy is somebody who will strike people out. He will rack up Ks. Uh, He's got the ability to miss bats. Um, That said, you know, taking a step back, he had a 2.20 ERA in 2022. He had a 4.58 ERA this past year. He had a 111 WHIP in 2022. He had a 1.42 WHIP this year. Um, the FIP was a little bit, I guess, a little bit more toward the mean uh, in both of these seasons. Uh, in 2022, it was 3.10. In 2023, it was 3.72. That indicates in 2022 he was probably due for some regression, anyways. Uh, in 2023, however, he definitely was the victim of some bad luck. Um, strikeout rates were somewhat comparable, definitely went down this past season. Uh, 30.4% in 22, 27.3% in 23. And uh, walk rate was honestly right about on par. It's kind of in the noise of year-to-year fluctuations. Uh, 10.4 in 2022, 10.1 in 2023. So walk rate actually marginally better. Um, so, you know, we, we like, we say that and we can take a step back and up front, we can all agree Dylan Cease got worse this year. 
he got pretty substantially worse. He definitely did not get any Cy Young votes. Um, and that's fine. It, you, you know, like not everybody is going to be a Cy Young caliber pitcher every year. But if you are going for what the, if you're getting this guy for what the White Sox are apparently asking for, you're going to want, you know, some high level, some baseline that uh, you can live with. You, you know, it's it's got to be a number three starter, if not better. Um, I think for the Orioles, you know, if we've all been talking, we do need a front of the rotation, a top three in the rotation kind of guy. Um, and, you know, if this is somebody who's going to perform on par with Dean Kramer, we're probably not raising the floor of this team very well. We've got D.L. Hall, we've got Tyler Wells, we've got all sorts of guys who can fill in the fifth spot in the rotation. So can Dylan Cease be that guy? Um, looking at the numbers that I just gave you guys, I mentioned FIP definitely was significantly better than the 4.58 ERA that he posted this year. Um, I do think that that's important to note, you know, if if he does regress toward that FIP, he will obviously, like, be giving up fewer runs. Uh, FIP is, you know, usually a good indicator of whether somebody is um, the victim of bad luck a little bit, potentially on some batted ball luck. Uh, we'll look, take a look at BABIP a little bit later. Um, but that said, that FIP still regressed by more than a half run. Uh, like I said, went from 310 in 2022 to 372 in 2023. So there was still very, very significant regression, even if you are looking at those deeper level numbers. His strikeout percentage did go down, uh, but again, still well above league average, um, and walk rate got marginally better. So anytime that I take a look at a player and see, okay, well, FIP was significantly better than ERA. FIP itself does mean fielding independent pitching. And so I go ahead and I'm like, all right, well, what did the fielders look like this year? Were they really bad? Were they really good? Were they whatever? You know, that could explain some of this discrepancy. Objectively, very, very objectively, the White Sox defense was terrible terrible and that is significant but at the same time it should also be pointed out excuse me it should be pointed out that you know the only thing that matters here is the difference because he was playing with a white Sox defense last year as well <laughs> shame for him i know but taking a look at the defense right so in 2022 they were 26th in a metric from Baseball Info Solutions, RDRS. It's basically attempting to take like the individual defensive runs saved, aggregating that across every player on the team, and then trying to look at some kind of vibey team factors such as positioning, such as you know shifting back when that was a thing, and taking that and aggregating it into one team metric. Um, so the White Sox in 2022 put up negative 35 defensive runs saved. And if that sounds bad, it's because it is. It was 26th in baseball. Um, they also put up negative 17 outs above average. Uh, the stat cast metric, that was 24th in baseball. So in 2022, definitely not a good team. Uh, not a good defense. And Dylan Cease had to live with that and still put up exceedingly good numbers. Um, so we go ahead and we take a look at this year. How did things change? Of course, the delta is what we're worried about. This year, per that same RDRS metric, the White Sox were 29th in baseball. And it's only a marginal change in the league standings. You know, it's only three places. 
but they went from negative 35 runs to negative 59 runs. And that negative 59 was 21 worse than the 28th team in baseball. So definitely a substantial, substantial drop here. They also put up negative 17 outs above average. That was one like one league standing worse. It was 25th, but same number of outs above average. So per that metric, they were about the same. So definitely, you know, you look at these two kind of team overall metrics and you see that the White Sox per one of them got substantially worse per the other were about the same. Um, I don't think there's anything too conclusive, but at the same time, you can kind of look at the White Sox and you can understand that there were some really bad vibes. Uh, I, I know this is a ridiculous thing to point out, but from the very, very get-go this year, the White Sox were not performing. They looked every bit of a bottom dweller when this is a team that really is supposed to be kind of exciting with Robert, with Eloy Jimenez, with Yohan Mankata. You know, like they've had this core together and have been expecting for wonderful things to happen uh, for a number of years now, and they just haven't, quite simply. So you look at this, excuse me, you look at this, and you say, okay, they got marginally worse, the vibes around the team were bad, they had the whole Tony La Russa shindig, you know, that, and then they were kind of trying to come out of that this year. It's clear the owner has his hands in the wrong places. And you definitely can see something to the effect of team impact impacting the player itself. So I, I do think that, you know, some of this regression is explained here. Also taking a look at defense in a different kind of way. I mentioned BABIP earlier, batting average on balls in play. Um, this year, Dylan Cease's BABIP was 330, uh, which is exceedingly high. Um, that is a, it's about 30 points higher than what the league average is for BABIP. That said, in 2022, it was also much like how we were seeing with ERA, where the 330 is inflated high and his 458 ERA was inflated high. The 220 ERA was inflated low. His BABIP in 2022 was only 260. Part of this definitely can be explained. His exit velocity, uh, average exit velocity, excuse me, on balls in play was over three miles an hour harder this year and above league average. Um, and it also, it, so 90 mile an hour average exit velocity. And then on top of that, uh, the average launch angle against him was also raised almost a half degree. So they are getting better and higher contact. They're not beating the ball into the ground. They're hitting it harder. Obviously, all of this leads to harder balls to field. So this definitely does explain part of the batting average on balls and play jump. I think the White Sox defense does explain the rest. The White Sox defense did get worse. The vibes were bad. All of that is true. But there was clearly something a little bit more concrete that led Dylan Cease to be a bad pitcher this year. Um, so if we take a step back and we you know, kind of refocus on him himself and say, what, what changed for Dylan Cease? The first thing that I always look at with these kind of things is pitch mix. You know, you look at like what made a Robert Stevenson after seven plus years in the league suddenly a really, really good pitcher. Well, what made him good was going ahead and changing his slider into a little bit more of a cutter and throwing it all the time paired with his fastball. So, you, you know, like the Rays find these little things and they've got the magic juice and whatever. Anyway, I hate them. Uh, <laughs> so 
taking a look at pitch mix here, uh, it was relatively consistent. There were really no changes, and I think that was almost definitely by design. You have a guy come in second in MVP, or I'm sorry, in Cy Young voting. Why would you try to change anything, really? Um, he heavily favors his four seam and his slider. He throws both of them around 40% of the time. Um, one was about 43%, one was about 38%. They flip-flopped. This year, he threw slightly more fastballs, slightly less sliders. Uh, it was the opposite in 2022, but I don't think that's really enough of a difference to to have me buy that as a contributor. Um, clearly, they are his two primary pitches. Since he is struggling a little bit over the course of this season, you're always going to see more fastballs. That That's just the way it works when you're behind in counts, when you're et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you're going to throw more fastballs to try to battle. So... Are there any differences in the pitches themselves? And uh, to me, this is where I start to really get worried. Buckle up. <laughs> every single pitch, and yes, I mean every single one of his pitches, got about a mile an hour slower. The four-seam fastball went from 96.8 miles an hour to 95.6. The slider went from 87.4 to 86.3. The curveball went from 81.1 to 80.2. The changeup went from 77.9 to 74.6. And I will throw one little caveat in here. His changeup was actually pretty good this year. Um, surprisingly, uh, yeah, surprisingly effective. It's definitely not his strong suit still. The slider is his bread and butter. It is one of the better pitches in all of baseball. Uh, but that said, you know, like we do see a step back and a concrete like apparent in every single pitch a step back in his velocity you, you know and that that is concerning for somebody who's so young dylan cease one thing i did not manage to look up so i'm going to be typing while i talk to you dylan cease is only 27 years old that's crazy he's going to be 28 next year but dylan cease is only 28 years old and well, I guess he's 27. I just told you that. But going to be 28 years old and has lost a full mile an hour on almost every pitch. Um, not almost every pitch. I told you literally every pitch. So you look at this and you say, okay, what's going on here? It, you know, it's not like the guy's body should be breaking down. He's a young guy. Um, I, I sometimes like, you know, I do think that there is sometimes a conscious effort to play with a pitch profile. And, you know, in an effort to get more movement, that is one possible explanation. There definitely could have been lingering injuries. There are any number of explanations. But to me, I'm like, okay, if he is slowing things down a little bit, which is fine, is he getting more movement on it? You know, is this a concerted effort to instead of like, you know, linear motion through the ball to get it moving quickly? Is it, you know, like putting some extra, you know, wrap around the ball to get on the side of it? Whatever. So taking a look at strictly movement, I, I'm only going to focus on his two primary pitches because they're obviously the bread and butter here. Looking at his four-seam fastball, you get comparable run. Um, it's not a lot of arm side movement, but just a couple inches, and that was pretty steady. That said, it's dropping an inch more on the way to the plate this year, 11.2 inches versus 10.3. Um, you think... Uh, and I should say that these are numbers, including gravity. They're from Baseball Savant. So this is not the same as induced vertical break, um, where 
induced vertical break, you know, the more ride that you have, the more movement you induce, the better. That is not the case here. Uh, the four-seam fastball, you want it to drop as little as possible. That's what makes us see the wonderful, beautiful bullets that Felix Bautista throws. So dropping an inch more um, on the fastball, it's inherently going to be less effective. You try to work it at the top of the zone, which Dylan Cease does. Uh, you want to stay above the barrel of bats. So stepping over to the slider, what really is his bread and butter here? The drop on the slider was pretty similar to last year. Um, it was slightly slower, but it did actually have slightly less drop. Um, I, I think that if you go ahead and you look at the movement itself, that's probably not very telling, but when you combine it with moving a mile an hour slower, uh, I do think that there is a bit more of a significant change there. He, you know, what it tells you is that he is getting a little bit more ride on the fastball, or I'm sorry, on the slider, a little bit more lift generated from it. But the converse of that is he did lose an inch and a half of sweep on it. And, you know, when I talk about sweep, it's just any glove side movement. I'm not saying he throws a sweeper. Um, he definitely throws much more of a gyro slider. And to kind of give you the concept of that, a good example of a gyro slider is Tyler Glass now, where uh, the Induced movement on it will be pretty close to zero inches vertically and horizontally. Um, and it just kind of spins and some people would call it like a cement mixer. Uh, <laughs> but you definitely are not trying to, you know, like break off this nasty thing that'll move a foot and a half. That's not the intent of a dry row. Uh, the intent is to come in slower on a similar plane, um, actually generate some lift a little bit and uh, do something different than the fastball, you know, while kind of mimicking the same plane as it really. So that's all I mean by sweep is that any glove side movement, while he did add a little bit of lift to the slider, he did also simultaneously lose an inch and a half of sweep. And I, I don't think that it, it's a bit interesting. I, I, I don't think that it's necessarily a problem to go for you know, a certain type of pitch, you know, like thinking that you can make this more effective if you make some little change. Um, that said, obviously it got hit harder. You, you know, I don't want to say that it was a bad pitch by any means. It was worth 10 runs this year. Um, but the, the Woba on it went from 193 last year to 286 this year. Um, Whiff rate was about the same. Slugging was way up from 209 to 339. So, you know, there definitely was a regression here. And uh, th I think there are questions, given the drop in velocity, that I think that there are questions as to whether this was a super, super intentional change. I, I, I do think that, you know, I will always give the benefit of the doubt to a major league pitcher who's obviously, you know, he's got all of these you know, he's got TrackMan data on every single start that he makes. He's got all of the analysis that he could want. So if he saw something that he didn't like about this slider and they were saying, hey, dude, you're not getting what you got on it last year, um, I would think he would make the adjustment. That said, you know, I do believe that this was more of an intentional change to get it to more true gyro than a little bit of two plane. Um, I think that 
you know, I, I, I am not educated enough to tell you like what would be more effective, a like perfectly vertical, no induced sweep slider or something that does have a little bit of two plane. I, I'm not qualified for that. You know, Dylan Cease obviously had something that he was going for here. But that said, the results were not good. So, so you know, like w- when you start to evaluate Dylan Cease, the question really becomes, A, you know, was that intentional and can he get the old one back? And B, you know, it, is that part of this larger trend of somehow getting a little bit less action on the ball in any way, shape or form, less velo, all of it together? Um, so I kind of went ahead and I looked at that and I, I, I do not have a lot of information as to, you know, changes in mechanics that Dylan Cease is trying to make. But, you know, one of the leading indicators of a mechanical tweak is just purely your extension, where you release the ball in front of the mound. Um, and an interesting note was that he did release the ball 0.2 feet, which is only, you know, two and a half inches closer to the plate. But two and a half inches is a pretty significant thing. Um, and, and I guess the best way that I can explain it is you, you need enough arm left to actually impart some spin, impart some movement, and actually like get the ball moving toward home. It, you, you know, like if you were to reach out in front of you, if I were to tell you to hit something down and your arm was just like nice and comfortable and you got to really like raise it above your head and smack it with your arm bent and it's rotating, you can do that a lot harder than if I told you to put your arms straight out in front of you. I'm laughing at myself because I'm doing this as I tell it. <laughs> uh, if I were to tell you to put your arms straight out in front of you and just hold it all the way out there and then try to hit something down, you're going to be able to get a lot less action, so to speak, if you're fully extended already. So, you know, if there was a conscious effort to try to release the ball closer to the plate, there is a chance that you lose a little bit of the amount behind it, a little bit of you know your forearm flexing to pull down behind a fastball, to pull on the side of a slider, these kinds of things. Uh, I, you know, I do not, I, I have, I do not have super super up close views of Dylan Cease's arm as I he goes ahead and release. You know, like I I can't say with a hundred percent confidence that this is true, but. You know, just like intuitively to me, losing a little bit of action on, most, on almost all of his pitches and going ahead and losing a mile an hour on all of his pitches. And this is one clear leading, mechan- like leading indicator of a mechanical change. I, it, it does seem like there is a little bit of something there. Um, Dylan Cease is not a huge guy, so he's not good. You know, he's never going to be an extension monster. And it's definitely possible to me that they came into this offseason, they said, or the previous offseason, and said, okay, what's one way that we can make him a little bit more effective? He's got good life on his fastball. He's got this slider. The closer we can get it to home plate, the better. And, you know, that that is true if you can maintain the action and the velo that you have with it. You know, that's why we all, like, gawk at Felix Bautista. I already mentioned his fastball earlier, but part of what's so amazing about him is that he does gets such phenomenal spin on the ball while simultaneously staying behind it and, you know, simultaneously like imparting the phenomenal action that he does on it, you know, while being six foot eight and releasing it seemingly like halfway to the plate. That's what's so incredible about him. So, 
the effort to get closer to the plate is definitely something that every pitcher explores and you need to kind of find your, you know, your middle ground as a pitcher as to how far can I get down the mound and how far can I release out front while still doing what I need to do in order to make that pitch effective. Um, I think you look at, you know, some guys like Spencer Strider and you look at his ability to get down the mound. He releases the ball almost seven feet in front of home plate because he just sits back in his back leg and, you know, the top half of his body stays so compact and he gets his full like range of motion, but he just starts it down the mound. Um, I'm getting a little bit off track here, but <laughs> I, I guess the point is, you know, like there is a clear, clear benefit to getting down the mound, releasing closer to home plate, giving the hitter less time and less distance to actually perceive the ball. And it does seem like there was an effort to do that here, you know, like over a lot of pitches that they throw in a season, thousands and thousands of pitches, you know, a trend of two and a half inches closer to the plate is pretty significant. Um, it, you know, it is something that will show up in data, I guess is the simplest way to say it. So this year, I guess, to show the magnitude of that, he was in the 37th percentile of extension, still not, you know, phenomenal, but last year he was in the 26th. So over a 10% jump relative to league average in his extension. So this was a conscious something. Um, and so I look at that and I say, again, with the like example of your arm way out in front of you, if you are trying to impart action on the ball, which is clearly how he did so well last year, you know, fastball run value was in the 81st percentile, breaking ball run value in the 100th. His slider was the single most effective slider in baseball last year. This guy is imparting some incredible action on the ball. If he overextends himself and loses the ability to do so, that is going to, you know, that that's going to be a detriment to him. And it, it definitely does seem like there was something there. Uh, again, I like am not a biomechanics expert or anything like that. So I, I think that there is something to be said that, you know, there is probably a mechanical tweak, something that could try to return him closer to form. But at the same time, that doesn't fully explain why he did lose velocity. It doesn't fully explain whether he will ever, ever be able to get that back. You, you know, like you can try to tweak as much as you can, but he clearly found gold and found this Goldilocks zone of personal performance last year. Um, and recapturing that is never as simple as saying like, oh, the Orioles have a great pitching lab. Of course we do. To sum it all up, I've been talking a lot. I appreciate you bearing with me. To sum it all up, you, you know, I think there are very real reasons to be concerned. A, you know, less movement, less velocity. There are... You know, there are reasons grounded in the pitches themselves contributing to why he took a step back this year. There are, obviously, you know, like, there were factors with the White Sox, with the team, that can contribute to everything from, you know, his mental health to his ability to prepare to, I don't know, just, like, being distracted in the game while... Tim Anderson is punching Jose Ramirez. <laughs> you know, that there are any number of things that can contribute negatively to his performance that we can't really see in data. Um, I do think that it's valid to, you know, like give him a bit of credit 
for those. That said, you know, like when evaluating who we want to trade Kobe Mayo for, I would rather do that for somebody who does not have these issues. You know, like we can go ahead and we can get Freddie Peralta from the Brewers who has some injury concerns, but my God, every time he's on the field, he's phenomenal. You, you know, we can go ahead and do stuff like that. And that is where I would want to spend my prospect capital. I think that if the Orioles do want to pursue Dylan Cease, there is a lot of upside here, right? His slider, despite taking these steps back, was worth 10 runs, was one of the better breaking balls in the game. And last year, as recently as last year, it was the best slider in all of baseball. You, you know, that cannot go overstated. This guy is not very far away from that dominant performance. And he is still very much like, because he's young, he should be fully capable of getting back to that. So I think there's reason to be excited if the Orioles do go and get this guy. It's definitely not a situation where we went and it's not the equivalent of signing Kyle Gibson again. You know, it's like that this guy has very, very legitimate upside. Once again, strikeout percentage was over 27%. League average is like 20 to 21. You know, so he's striking guys out at a great rate. I told you he struck out over 200 last year. He will eat innings despite the poor performance last year, still threw over 170, coming up on 180. There's a lot to like about him. And he's at, you know, I, I never want to like, say this as a really good thing because, you know, I like, I feel for the guy, but a suppressed market rate, you know, we get him for only $8 million, which would projected, which would be lovely for us. Um, you know, he's worth much more when you see Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn signing 12, $13 million contracts with the Cardinals for a year. You go ahead and you look and it's like, okay, well, I can get somebody much better who's got an impact arm and can potentially turn into a, you know, like number two in Cy Young voting kind of arm and we get him for $8 million. And we get him the year after that, also at a suppressed market rate. That's phenomenal. And, and you know, we like, we should not beat around the bush there. That's definitely, definitely, definitely something worth a lot of value. Once again, though, you know, th there are questions as to how much of that form can be recovered. There are definite, you know, like indicators that he is trending in the wrong direction. And you need to, and this is, you know, like Michael Elias, Michael Elias's job for a reason. You need to make sure that what you are giving up is like acknowledging those faults. You cannot just go ahead because we can outbid everyone. And I, I know people hated him for it. He said it just today, but he's like, the fact that we can outbid everyone does not mean that we should. You know, we like still need to find trades that are fair. And that is the case with Dylan Cease. You know, we shouldn't just go get him because we can. If he is not valued as somebody who could be phenomenal, but simultaneously has some serious red flags, you know, if the White Sox are asking for more than that, then we should not give it to him. You, you, you know, the Orioles need to accept the risk that this guy just happens to be on his way down. And it was not an intentional mechanical change. It was something that, whatever, you know, something that just happened this year and his body is breaking down and he'll never be able to do it again. There are any number of possibilities here. So in conclusion, I didn't really give you anything. I just think I would be fine with it, but I am concerned. Um, and I think that's the right place to be.
firmly in the middle of everybody online. I think that, you know, if the Orioles get Dylan Cease this year, they obviously think they can get him back. I am sure that Michael Elias and everybody in the scouting department already know everything that I have told you today. They already have a plan with how to fix him. They already have looked at those close-up views of his arm mechanics. They've already looked at the extension. You know, they know all of this stuff. And I'm sure that if we do go and get him, I have faith that they will have a plan. The question is, is that plan within the realm of possibility again? You know, is this a guy that is actually recoverable? They would have a better idea than me. I hope so. And I hope that you all have a great day. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to get out of here. I have been talking your ear off and definitely appreciate your time. Uh, definitely, if you guys have opinions one way or another, if you like Cease, if you don't, tweet at us, X at us, whatever that means. Email us, you know, however you want to do it. Uh, we love hearing from you. This has been the Warehouse Podcast. My name's Elijah. My name's Eli. I'll talk to you guys soon.